This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. And for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn. And good morning, Simi. Okay, so here we are talking about Ferry Creek again. What's going on? Well, as we know, no story in British Columbia ever really goes away. Very <laughs> They true. just come back and we get to go back over, well, let's see what happened since the last time. So these are the protests at Ferry Creek. Uh, Save old growth protest, very strong environmental protest. They broke the record for arrests associated with environmental protests there last year. And the protesters are back and the RCMP are back as well. So there's an injunction on behalf of the company that is legally logging in the area. And the RCMP are enforcing the injunction. Uh, They made three arrests on Tuesday, uh, adding to the 1,100 arrests that have occurred there in the past. And the protest group, which this latest group goes by the name, uh, what are they calling themselves? Savage Patch. Um, They got, three of them got arrested. Allegation that somebody uh, assaulted an RCMP officer. And the company says there's been a, epidemic of vandalism and destruction of equipment and blocking of logging and all that stuff. So Ferry Creek is right back where it was and where it has been uh, for the last, what, three years. And this goes back and forth in court too, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. So the, the other important development here is that the Crown was forced to drop uh, charges of violating the injunction against 142 protesters. And that happened because one of the protesters who had been arrested went to court and lawyer made the argument that the RCMP really hadn't presented the injunction in a way that anyone could reasonably understand what the injunction said. The RCMP read a shortened version of the injunction and didn't get to the part where you know what the consequences are of defying it. And the court found that that meant the, that voided the charge and voided it. BC government didn't much like that, uh, appealed it all the way up to the Supreme Court of Canada. Uh, the Supreme Court of Canada refused to take the case a week before last. Uh, so the whole provincial argument that, hey, we did enough of a job, the RCMP did enough of a job on the injunction, and so uh, the government had to release the other 100 or drop the charges against the prosecutors had to drop the charges against the other 142 people who were charged in similar circumstances and back to square one. Uh, one thing we understand is that yesterday when the RCMP showed up to remove this encampment, they now have, it appears, the entire injunction or all the key bits anyway on a recording and they play the whole thing on speakers to the protesters. So that's the RCMP's way of dealing with, uh, you really got to tell people what's in the injunction and what they're looking at if they defy it before you can arrest them for defying it. And so that's the new approach. Um, Three protesters, I think they were taken to Lake Cowichan Detachment, charged and released. And here we go again.
Right. Okay. Now there's First Nations issues here too, right? Because yes. different groups support or don't support these protesters. Yeah. I mean, that one of the reasons, and this tends to happen in BC. Uh, so this is within the traditional territory of the Pachidat First Nation. And uh, they've been asking protesters to get off their land. They're benefiting from the logging. The company has made a partnership with the first the indigenous people. And so they've said repeatedly, stay off our land. We want this log. But uh, as often is the case, there's at least one member of that uh, First Nation who's aligned himself with the protesters. And so the protesters are saying, we were invited onto this land and therefore we are allowed to be here. And they've been able to ignore the majority voice of the First Nation. The other issue that goes on here is this RCMP unit that specializes in clearing protests. So protest sites are increasingly challenging for police. Protesters are well-funded internationally. They have impressive resources. And the police feel they need to match them resource for resource and ability for ability. You get an allegation that this is a militarized police unit. I think that's an exaggeration from what we've seen, but it is a major controversy. And you have the Union of BC Indian Chiefs, which tends to side with environmental protesters in the province. And UBCIC is calling on the federal government to disband this RCMP unit because it is also being used to clear the protests in northwestern British Columbia against the coastal gas link pipeline. So this is a double environmental issue in the province. And the UBCIC is saying, get rid of this unit. Uh, it is uh, trampling uh, the right to protest, trampling public safety for the protesters. And the police are being turned into an enforcement arm, essentially of resourced companies like the one that's building the pipeline in the north and the one that's logging old growth in and around Fairy Creek. Okay. And what about the premier's take on this? Well, that's a good question. You know, this... The government's stance on this issue, the provincial government's stance on this, was very much shaped by John Horgan. The Ferry Creek is in his riding. He's now gone from the legislature and replaced, but uh, he also had a very close relationship with the Pichidat First Nation. And even though the Horgan government has greatly reduced the amount of old growth that is available for logging in British Columbia, Horgan was supportive of the First Nation and the logging company that wanted to proceed on this. And he made some fairly disrespectful comments about the international protesters of Hollywood and all of that. Uh, I mean, <laughs> they, the protesters even once managed to muster William Shatner of Star Trek to berate the, the famously Trekkie premier on this issue. So that was Horgan. But Where's David Eby? We have not heard a lot from him on this. The, the issue cooled last year. It's now back in the news. Eby wasn't premier this time last year. He is now. And one of the things I think people will be looking to see is whether Eby takes a different approach to backing up uh, the protests sorry, the, the logging at Ferry Creek or whether or not he may seek a different approach. I think it's an open question. Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun this morning. And Vaughn, I got to tell everybody to read that Dan Fumano piece in the Vancouver Sun this morning because it is really something.
You know, Simi, I keep thinking, you know, you've been at this for a long time. You're not going to be surprised by anything. And then I have a look at my own newspaper this morning and I see this story and I go, for God's sake, is this NIMBY, the not in my backyard force has gone wild. So this is a story. And this is only part one. He's got a second part coming. This is a story, Simi, about a project that was killed in Vancouver by the Board of Variants. And you look at the language around why this was killed. You know, it was going to destroy the character of the neighborhood. And you go, what was that, like a safe injection site, a smelter? Is it a freeway? No. It was a child care center for eight children. A child care center. Across the street from a park. Across the street from from Douglas Park, which is a very family-oriented community. Yeah, so you, I'll, I'll tell you, yeah, exactly where it is, right? I had to look it up because I haven't lived in Vancouver for a long time. And so this is uh, between Canby and Oak, and it is between 16th and King Ed. So if you've got that neighborhood in your head, that's where it is. And the neighbors get up in arms about this. Uh, one of the things they complain about is parking. And I'm going, the eight children are going to be parking their cars? Like, right. <laughs> child care? The parents drop the children off all at roughly the same time in the morning and they go to work and they pick them up at roughly the same time uh, later in the day, maybe the afternoon, you know, late afternoon. They're not hanging out there. They're not parking their car all day. (laughs) Parking is not. uh, It really is incredible, Simi, but uh, they got away with it. The Board of Variants turned the project down for the eight children. Uh, because they said uh, parking and uh, neighborhood on the opposition. Neighborhood and neighborhood opposition. And my favorite detail in the Fumano piece is Dan tracked down one of the people that went in and protested about this. And the guy is a realtor. And he's been grumbling about, or a developer, he's grumbling about how the city of Vancouver isn't building anything. You know, there's all these bureaucratic holdups, but he doesn't want a child care center. In his, in his neighborhood. So, Classic. It, I mean, NIMBY gone wild. We've seen just how much of this is out there doing everything they can to prevent any change in, in single family neighborhoods. I understand it. You know, I am sitting in a but single family reason. neighborhood in Victoria, apprehensive about all this, but, <laughs> but still, reason, I go, God, right? childcare center. I mean, yeah, this, this is incredible, but it happened. And, uh, you know, over to you, Mayor Sim, I think you and bank in Vancouver city council, you got to come forward and justify this decision. Yeah. And to be, there was unrestricted fee parking. In their neighborhood, yep. it wasn't like pe- people were parking where they weren't supposed to. That they're allowed to essentially. One yep. neighbor was complaining about the kids being too loud for the two hours a day they're allowed to play outside across the yeah. street from the park, but too loud. Had to keep the windows closed uh, during that time. Uh, another neighbor was saying, "Well, if we allow this to happen, then what's going to open up next to me? A motorcycle shop?" Or those are the examples that this person used. And the, the and the poor daycare operator said, "Nobody ever talked to me." She said, "They know me." Yeah. They know me in this neighborhood. Nobody ever said to her, there's never been a complaint. City of Vancouver has no record of complaints about any of these issues. But they all just showed up instead at the Board of Variance meeting to complain. Yeah. So she and her husband already operate a, I guess, a small childcare facility in their house. And they're talking about converting the top floor to go from eight children to 16. So that's where the eight comes from. And... 
Uh, to do that, you do need to go through the board of variants. But I think what this really illustrates, and we saw the problem here in Victoria with the missing middle proposal, the idea that you would suddenly have multiple unit developments on single family lots. Um, cities and the provincial government together are going to have to intervene, I think, very strongly to change a regulatory environment that grew up around essentially NIMBY. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're in a single-family neighborhood. Nobody wants it to change. If we don't change collectively in places like Metro Vancouver and in Victoria, we are not going to be able to deal with the enormous number of people out there who can't afford housing, and even when they can afford it, they can't find it. Okay, and also very quickly as well, since we're talking City of Vancouver, there's issues with this whole FIFA contract too. Yeah, so the City of Vancouver is on the hook to FIFA, to the wonderful news that we're getting the World Cup. Uh, You can tell from that that I'm not a soccer fan, but I don't begrudge uh, the city's (laughs) decision to go ahead. I just say the people of Vancouver are entitled to know exactly what they're on the hook for. I recall covering the Olympics and when we discovered that they weren't going to pay for themselves, which is what Gordon Campbell said, it ended up costing billions of dollars. So what are we on the hook for with FIFA? City of Vancouver won't release the contract. Full credit to Bob Mackin, Business in Vancouver and the Breaker News site. He tried to get it out of Vancouver. They turned him down. But Seattle released it. So the Americans do tend to be more open about oh, these they things. Oh, they are. So he's gone and read the Seattle contract. He's reported on what's in it. And essentially, as you might guess, the way these international organizations work, they get to stage the event, but you're on the hook for absolutely everything. You have to indemnify for this and that and the other thing. You have to clean up the neighborhood. You have to make sure there are no other sporting events going on. So if you want to know a bit of what you're probably on the hook for, listener in Vancouver, have a look at Mackin's coverage in business in Vancouver or at the Breaker News site. But again, uh, the city of Vancouver should be shamed yes. into giving this out to Just the public. Just put it out there. So you know what you're on the hook for. Exactly. It, this kind of secrecy is not justified at all. So true. Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye, Cindy.